Welcome to Family Features, a podcast for anyone who wants to experience healthy relationships within their family. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm honored to come alongside you to encourage, educate, and equip you as we focus on the different relationships that make us family. Let's get started and focus on today's feature. Welcome to the Family Features Podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and today I have a great, amazing opportunity to have a great conversation with Nicole Thompson. So welcome, Nicole. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited about this conversation because you have a story that could change lives, not only your faith in Christ, but uh, what God has brought you through. So tell us a little kind of that 30,000 foot view of who you are, what you do, and then we'll dive into some deeper parts of just what God's done in your life. Okay. Uh, quick snippet. Uh, my husband and I got married 24 years ago. I was 20 years old and he was 36. I had two boys and he had custody of five of his six kids. So I immediately blended family, seven kids. Wow. And a couple of years in, we had a child together. So it literally made us yours, mine and ours. Mm-hmm. And about that same time, God blessed us with the construction company. And, um, Now, I will say when I met my husband, he had been clean and sober for two years. And so he was an exceptional man of integrity, obviously having custody of his kids, you know, over 20 years ago, that's just not the normal. Right. And so God blessed us with a construction company. We were gutting homes in Evansville, Indiana, pretty large city. And so what my husband thought was he would go back into his friendships from his youth which were plumbers and roofers and siders and carpet layers and all these guys that he had grown up with. And uh, he was going to be able to bless them financially, but then we were going to be able to influence them with our family friendly lifestyle, Mm -hmm. which unfortunately that's not how that worked. Uh So the Bible warns us that bad company corrupts good morals. And soon within allowing them in the front row of our lives, infidelity had crept in lying that turned into weeks, uh, weekends away from home, eventually drug dealing, uh, which that lasted for almost a year before an eventual relapse happened, separation, divorce, arrest. We were both arrested and, uh, and then ultimately of course, divorce. And so we were married for just three and a half short years. And by the time we got divorced, we were both um, just so far removed from where we were when we said, I do. When we got married, we did not allow drinking or smoking cigarettes on our property. And by the time we were separated, you couldn't even recognize those boundaries. And so basically what we learned was being good is not good enough. Like you have to have a foundation. And so while we were separated, um, my learned coping mechanism was drinking. So at age 24, I found myself in the bars and there was a song that had just recently come out by Dr. Dre called housewife. And the lyrics were, you can't turn a hoe into a housewife. And I remember in my mind that now that I know the thoughts and spiritual warfare, that Satan would play that song. And he would be like, look, he didn't want a housewife. He didn't want someone to pray before meals. He wanted someone fun to party with. And if you would get high, you could have your marriage back. And looking back now, I see how utterly ridiculous that thought was, but I believed it. Mm -hmm. And so I called him up and I said, Hey, I know that you're doing methamphetamine and I want to get high. 
And so he came over, he brought the meth and I was instantly addicted. And this is your and, um, This is my, so we were separated. We separated. weren't divorced yeah. yet. We were okay. just separated. Okay. And um, I was addicted to the way it made me feel the look that it was soon creating as I shed those unwanted pounds of weight. Um, I could party all weekend and then get up and go to work on Monday morning. Mm -hmm. And so I um, became strung out that whole summer of 2002. And within four months of my husband's relapse, he was sitting in jail in Illinois, facing 96 years in prison. He had been picked up. He was facing three class X felonies and a couple of minor ones. And we now know that that's what Matthew is talking about when it says, when you clean your house of an unclean spirit, it searches the dry, arid places and it finds no rest. And it comes back and it finds your house clean, swept and put it in order, but empty. And therefore it brings back seven more wicked spirits than the first. And so that's what relapse looks like. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, we were good people, but we didn't have any type of biblical foundation. Mm -hmm. We sent our kids to church. We went <laughs> on holidays. Mm -hmm. But as far as like knowing why we didn't drink, as far as any heart knowledge of who God the father was, mm -hmm. we didn't have that. So um, he's in jail. Uh, he eventually got a plea bargain. Um, he was in his foxhole praying. He ended up getting eight years. Okay. And so I would just spiral out of control, strung out on drugs. And he would just be at the foot of foot of the cross. Like Jesus, what went wrong? How did this happen? So jail now, really grabbed him. God did. In yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, and you know, he had been in jail before and he said, basically this time he lost everything. Mm -hmm. So by this moment, um, some kids are in group homes. I'm strung out. Um, kids are back with his ex-wife. He's, you know, he's lost. We, I mean, we were very financially successful. We had a lot going for us and, and we did have a good marriage. We took the kids camping, mm -hmm. you know, we prayed before meals. We were doing swim lessons. Like, I mean, by most standards, I mean, we were a good family. And so like to lose all that, I mean, it, it really is an eye opener. Now I, on the other hand, when he would send me letters, cause he wrote me letters every week, um, every single letter was signed love always and forever your husband. And he later told me that he was standing on, I think it's Romans four seventeen. Uh, calling those things, which be not as though they already are, uh, you know, the Abraham and Sarah promise. So God had promised to restore our marriage and, you know, would Tony stand on that even when it didn't look like that's what was going to happen. And so for three and a half years, he would write letters to me standing on the promises of God, calling those things, which be not bringing God into remembrance of his word. And I would get these letters and just say, he is a blooming idiot. Like he's dumb. He had his chance. I'm like, I, you laugh, but yeah. I laughed and I would show the letters to my friends while we were getting high. Oh. Like I, Satan, Satan really was, I, I talk about it in my book, but it's almost like Satan wanted to make sure like putting a knife through my heart, like, like this marriage is done. Like, like he needed to and make sure done. that we were not like that. I'm done. Absolutely. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. Exactly. And so, um, 
I don't know. I can't remember if we talked about my Damascus road experience or not, but Mm -hmm. so three and a half years later, Tony gets out of prison and he, so I wild out just loose living. Um, I became addicted to pornography. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and so the lie again, so my book is called, I ended up writing a book. And so I'll get into that here in a little bit, 50 shades of truth. And so great title title. is truth is made up of lies. Mm -hmm. And so it's the lies that the media pushes deadening our senses. You know, the Bible tells us dwell on things that are pure, holy, and lovely for a reason. And so, um, basically what happened was while I was meth is a very, um, well, all drugs are bad. So I don't want to say one's worse than the other, but methamphetamine is a very sexual drug. And so I became very promiscuous. Very and um, I've never heard that before a sexual drug. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Yes. And oh. yes. So, um, so, um, I was very promiscuous with it, very riotous. And so, just a couple of months before Tony got out, I had actually bought into a company called Passion Parties, which was adult toys. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. And I want to say this because I never want to sound like I'm glorifying my sin. But when you're deceived, you don't know you're being deceived. And it's almost like when Paul talks about, you know, he turns them over to their reprobate minds. Yes. You know, the cool thing about God is like, here I am. And I just want you to know 16 years free, 16 years free from drugs, 16 years free from sexually acting out 16 years. Yes. 16 years remarried to my husband, faithful in my marriage. And I have a happy, strong, thriving marriage. And so, um, as I talk about these things from 20 years ago, that's the old Nikki, like those sins are dead. They're pinned to the cross with Jesus Christ. That's what he died for. And I don't, I'm not that person anymore, but I share them openly so that you, anybody watching, listening will know it doesn't matter the depths of the darkness that, that Satan in your mind is telling you, you've gone too far. You've done too much. God is always right there waiting for you to say, help me. I need you, Jesus. I need you. I mean, like that, that is the God we serve. He loves us. He is a father to us. And so the lie that the enemy tells us is no, he doesn't want you back, but he does. He always wants you back. And so, um, I had become deplorable. I I was deplorable. And so Tony showed up on my doorstep just a couple of months after I had started selling these toys. Um, I was buying pills, which is illegal to make meth. And, um, when he showed up on my doorstep, I was wearing a pro, uh, lesbian shirt. Okay. Um, that day I was pretty, I didn't have drugs and I didn't have money. And so the thought behind putting the shirt on was if I go around the right person, I can get free drugs because they will think she'll owe me and I will either get a free show or I will get a free something else. And unfortunately that was the place I had gotten to. Wow. We can say that I wasn't a prostitute, but basically I was. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's just the truth of the matter, um, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so I was wearing that shirt. Uh, my husband did not know that I was uh, playing both sides of the fence. So when he showed up and we made eye contact, I saw him look at my shirt and I saw, because of the thoughts in my mind, he's disgusted by you. He's, he's a holier than thou Christian. You just like, he can see the track marks in your arm. 
He is not going to let you keep Freddie. He will take Freddie from you. You better slam that door. And before I could shut the door, our son, Freddie, who was five, came running in and said, daddy, daddy, because he heard his voice. And so I let Anthony come in. We went to the kitchen. Um, I was sure that I was going to get a lecture. And we sat down at the kitchen table and Freddie was jumping up and down. He was just so excited to see his dad. And I just wanted Freddie to leave the room. And before I knew it, a whole bunch of, and and people that have been in addiction will understand when you want to get high and you don't know how you're going to get high because it's a vicious cycle. When you're not high, you can't numb the voices and the voices are shame and guilt and disgust and you suck. And just all of these things that Satan is screaming that make you want to continue to get high to quiet them. And so it's just this cycle of use, silence it, come down, guilt and shame. Use, silence it, come down. So uh, it's it's the morning after. It's sexual addiction. It's porn. It's dry. It's any. It's the morning after. And so um, I said a whole bunch of horrible words to my son. Cursed him out. Told him to go in the other room. Get out of here. And Freddie had yeah he he's five. So he's, he's beginning to cry crocodile tears well up. And my husband, well, Anthony, he's my ex at the time, but he says, no, 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 Freddie, come here. And he holds his um, hand up to my face and he picks Freddie up and he puts him on his lap and he just begins to caress him and run his fingers through his hair. And he starts to speak such words of life and love over him. He says, Freddie, mommy and daddy love you. And mommy and daddy want to hear what you have to say. And you are important to mommy and daddy, but right now, mommy and daddy have to talk first. And so mommy and daddy need you to be the obedient little boy that you are. Go in the other room and play and let mommy and daddy talk first. And so Freddie went in the other room and like Tony before drugs was amazing, but, or Tony before Jesus, Tony before drugs, like the first time I met him when he had custody of his kids. So I said that, right. Tony before drugs, before Jesus, the first time I met him. Great. But Tony with Jesus, (laughs) like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, because the thing is, anybody can say, daddy loves you. Daddy, you know, daddy's here now. Daddy's going to fix it. But the thing is, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Mm-hmm. A person who can exhibit self-control when someone just curses out their five-year-old. Yeah. And includes you in the, the words you just, that he just said. Includes uh, me in the verbal oh. affirmations. Yes, beautiful. It was like, I just heard this, is it Gilliam's balm, Gilliam's salve over a wound? I just heard that in, um, I was listening to redeeming love the other day. And so, um, it like, there's some sort of salve that can, that can only heal certain wounds. And, um, I call it, uh, Romans two, four, that the kindness and goodness of God were on display for me in my husband that day that wooed me, that caused me to want to repent. See, it is not when someone like thumps the Bible at you and says, repent, 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 turn or burn. That doesn't make anybody want to change. 
But when you see someone and you can genuinely tell mm-hmm. there's something different, of, like you see bad stuff happen and they remain calm. Like they're able, like, yeah, they're, they're affected. It bothers them. They hurt, they cry, they weep, they hurt, they get angry, but they pull it together. Yes. I've never seen that. I, I had always pulled people into my chaos. No one had ever pulled me into God's peace. (laughs) And when they say God's peace is peace that passes all understanding, it really is. And so, um, he needed a ride back to Kankakee. So um, I drove him up there to listen to what he had to say. Mm-hmm. And he just spent the next four and a half hours just explaining, taking full ownership. And every time we speak, he shares this at the end. I don't care whether you know it or not, but men, you are the spiritual leaders of your home. God placed you in authority, not to rule and reign, not to lord over your wife, but to be the spiritual authority and protect your wife as the weaker vessel to lead her, to nurture her, to, Oh, I, I looked and I thought it was a flower, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if you take mm-hmm. care of a rose bush, it will bloom. Yes. But I mean, if you trample it, it will die. Yeah. Like everything in creation, God, God made it to symbolize life if we would just get our stuff together. <laughs> so, um, well, I love the, so, I love the, the connection between before. So your first three years of marriage that were good, but that contrast with now with kind of where you're at <laughs> with something so reborn and yes. so better than you can ever imagine. And so undeserved, which is for all of us. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, yeah. it, it's amazing. It is. so. And the funny thing is like, uh, so it's, it's real easy to say, Oh, I got 16 years free from meth. Like everybody loves to brag about that. And it's only been in the past four years, five years that God had really started putting it on my heart to write this book about mm-hmm. the media and how it's deadening our senses and how there's such a, a push the me- my book really talks about the push towards um, over-sexualizing everything, yes. okay? Um, and so, yeah, the- but I didn't, want it, I didn't want to talk about my past. I wanted to do it in third person. And my husband and I, we prayed about it. We prayed about it. We prayed about it. And the thing is, we just, we couldn't talk about it in third person because I needed to be able to give real life examples, for instance. And even when I speak in 2002, 20 years ago, there was a music video, two teenage girls, 14 kissing in the rain. And the Russian music producer said he saw a need for porn with underage girls and homosexuality, and he wanted to fill it. And, and that's what it did. I can tell you 100% for a fact, before that video, I never thought of homosexuality. I never thought of another woman. In fact, I had even said to friends, you do you, if that's what you like, I personally think it's gross, you know, whatever. But then the enemy through my divorce, through my separation, through abuse, um, through lies, you know, yep. the thing is 99% truth, but 1% lie, that's still a whole lie. Yes. And so if we don't know the word of God, 
then we don't know when we're being lied to. And so, um, and, and that's what's really happened, I believe, with this agenda mm-hmm. with our children. And so for me, in our house, when something comes on, and, and it's not just homosexuality, it's not just um, that. It can be sex before marriage. Right. It can be an affair. It yep. can be anything. My husband and I, if it is sex before marriage, we don't, well, we don't watch sex on the screen. Like, don't get me wrong. Right. But if we're watching a series, any show, as soon as Bones, we, we used to love watching Bones. As soon as they started having sex before marriage, we quit watching the series. Okay. If there is ever an affair in any TV show or movie, we quit watching it. Mm-hmm. If it, if it, if, if it alludes to a husband cheating on his wife or a wife cheating on her husband, we quit watching it because we are supposed to dwell on things that are pure, holy, and lovely, lovely, according to Philippians four, eight. And, you know, there are things that we are simply pouring on our minds and our hearts that are toxic and we know it. We know it. We are desensitizing ourselves as adults, as Christians, as leaders in the church, as leaders of our homes, and then we're allowing it to trickle down to our children. And so um, even for even for my kids, if there's something that we come across, I simply want them to make their own choices. I will just say that's not God's best. Mm-hmm. That is it, not God's best for you. Mm-hmm. And then they are able to make the choice. But I, we have to call that out because this is the thing. God has always given us the analogy of seeds. And so, so here's, here's one for you. There's a song I heard in the tanning. Oh, do you want to say something? No, I'll say that seed grows. Yes. Whatever we. Yes. The seed grows. So there was a song I heard in the tanning bed once three years ago. I put this Mm -hmm. in my book. Um, I don't listen to secular music at all, but it was in the tanning bed. And the song is called, um, I can't change even if I wanted to. Okay. It's a secular song. Um, and it is actually an anthem. It's actually a gay anthem. I didn't know that, but it just so happened. And here's how God works. He let that song come on so I could hear it. But now the thing is, if I couldn't change, then I wouldn't be 16 years free from methamphetamine. That's right. Everyone has (laughs) proclivities towards sin. We all have things, but the Bible calls us to die to our flesh daily. It may not be something we want to do. It may be challenging and it may be hard. We may have to deny ourselves, but there are things again that are not God's best. And so I often share, you know, just by you listening to this podcast or watching it on YouTube, you're having seeds of life planted on the inside of you. But if you were to listen to that song, then seeds that are contrary to the truth of God's word are being planted on the inside of you as well. And when you sing that song and the, the lyric is the, the hook is, is I have caught myself singing it by mistake and immediately repented because you know what death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. And when we let our kids sing what they want to sing, when we let our kids plug in these things and we don't check what they're listening to. Yes. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Parents, we've got to do better because here's the thing. You're going to stand before God and he's going to, he's going to ask you when your children were in your home, why didn't you do better? Why didn't you, I gave them to you. Your kids are all adults now, right? All my kids are adults. Yeah. All your kids are adults. So the last 20 years, they grew up with very different parents who love the Lord and were really the last 16 years. 
okay, last 16 years, really yep. loving the Lord, seeking to raise them up to honor him. And, yep. and the world has changed in the last 16 years beyond belief. Yes. And now we come to today in your book, in your book, the tagline on your book is in a media driven world that cultivates an anything goes mentality. And then your story, a girl lost in drugs and rebellious living has a transforming encounter with the love of Christ, which is the answer. Yeah. The only answer period. There is nothing else. Amen. But Amen. Then, like you said, this, I was looking through your chapters here, the, the seeds of death, seeds of life. Absolutely. Yes. What we put in. And where are we losing our kids now, especially today? It's through yeah. media, it's through YouTube, it's through online channels, it's through headphones where we don't know what our yeah. kids are listening to. It's exactly yes, yes, yes. It this and, and what my, mom and dads. Yes. And what my husband says at the end when we speak is what I'm saying to every mom and every dad out there. You are the spiritual leader of your home. You, you can take that authority back. My kids were 10, nine, and five. When I got sober, we took, I had been letting them watch, listen to Eminem. Mm -hmm. My nine-year-old would sing all the lyrics. We got oh, rid of all sex. I know. Yeah. Like <laughs> I thought I was the cool mom. Yes. I thought, and I just, it's so, I talk about it in the book. I just talk yeah. about, uh, it, it was bad. Um, How hard is it to take final, back? It, it was a rough summer, but, but they transitioned well. They transitioned well. And why do parents not do it? Why do parents not take things when they learn this and they hear like today even and they. I think it's. I think the consistency is hard. It's creating a new habit. The consistency is. is hard. And it feels it, it's kind of laziness. It there feels unloving. It does feel unloving. There you go. I, I think it does feel unloving. We want to be their friends. Yes. For, okay. So it, there's, I quote um, a book called um hurt and it says that like generations maybe 40 years ago they grew up having to work so hard that they flipped the script where they gave their kids everything yep well now we have 20 25 30 year olds living in our basement that, that is not what god intended and so in the bible i'm sure you'll know this there is no word for adolescent a child grew that. up until he was about 14. Yeah, we created it in America. And then the American culture. <laughs> and it, yes, it used to be 14 to 18. Then it was 14 to, now it's to 25. And, yeah. and the thing is, in the Bible, at 14, mm -hmm. they knew what they were supposed to be and what they were supposed to do and who they were called to be. And now we're telling them, you figure it out. No, we have to, just like Tony did with Freddie at age five, we have to call out that good in our children. We have to remind them who God created them to be with purpose. Yeah. You know, um, for instance, like I had a little boy um, when, when my boys, if a little boy wants to play with a doll, I can tell them you're going to be a great father one day. Mm -hmm. I don't have to shame them for playing with the doll. Amen. I can tell them what a great father or what a great uncle and how compassionate and loving they're going to be. And there is a good way to do that. Yes. And that's what I tell all my celebrate recovery moms. Love that. And as a tomboy growing up, my dad raised me. And as a tomboy growing up, if I would have grown up in this generation, I can promise you, I would have thought that I should have had a sex change. Yes. And I, I, I love my hair. I love my earrings <laughs> and I love these fake nails. And I'm telling you, I would have missed out on being a mom if I would have taken the medicine to make me sterile and to make me a man. 
but I was raised by a dad. My mom never checked in on me. My dad owned a lumber yard. I rode dirt bikes and built tree houses. I really would have thought if I would have been brought up 40 years ago that I was supposed to be a boy. And I love being a mom. Mm -hmm. I love being a mom. Well, and we're in a science experiment now. This is just, it's disgusting. It's perverted. Yeah, it's not fair. It's satanic. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. I, if anyone wants to talk, I want to talk to anyone, reach out to me. I promise you no judgment, no judgment, because I have had so I've, I've had such a season of growth and, and like we shared before, and, and I'll say it again, as I was just talking to my son, you know, it is not my goal to shame anyone. I want to get to know someone and know why they feel the way they feel because church hurt is real. Yes. And shame and condemnation is not from God. Okay. That is not from God. And so unfortunately everyone's human, even the people inside church. And so they're going to hurt you at one time or another, but God, the father won't, he loves unconditional, but the key here, especially with my book, with talking here, and just like that encounter with my husband is it is the kindness and goodness of God that draws man in, that causes him to want to repent. And so Christians, we have to do better. We have to get to know people and we have to love them where they're at and spend time getting to know them. And when they are ready and start asking us questions, Bingo. then we can slowly share what happened with us, the gospel, mm-hmm. because the gospel's three things. It's love, it's grace, and it's truth. And it can't be one without any of the others. And the problem is we got lots of people with love and we got lots of people with truth and we need to be in the middle. We have to have all three. We have to have all three. And so, but I see it coming. Mm -hmm. I see it happening. I do. I really do. Which is why we're doing this and why the books and my books, your books, different people I've talked to. It's a calling out of the church Christians saying, be loving, but you need to stand on the truth. You need to be great filled, but you still need to have the truth. And it's almost like you can only have one of the story, the the storyline and towing the, the way that things have been set up in our culture, even the language and the words it's, if you love me, you accept all of me and you don't ask me to change at all, or you hate me. That's as far from the truth as possible. There is no gospel. There is no redemption, nothing. No, so yeah. we need to be able to say, here's the truth. Yes. I'm going to cram it down your throat. I'm going to walk alongside yeah. you and, and do life with you yeah. and have barbecues with you and laugh with you, but also be there. Exactly. Falling apart. Because I love, um, so here's the thing, because when someone finally gets sick and tired of being sick and tired, if all you've been is a jerk to them, they're not going to reach out to you. Nope. They're not going to reach out to you. That's a message to us as friends, but also to parents. So how you love your children, stand on truth, be, be, stay there. Cause I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing them ditch that in an attempt to love. Well, and what we told our kids was, you know, when, when you leave our home, Mm -hmm. you can do things differently. And I pray you do better. And, and I mean, we talk now and we joke. So uh, my oldest is 25, married with two girls. 
Uh, then Josh is 24, married with two boys, and Freddie is 21, and he's in the Air Force, not married, no kids. And then, of course, my husband's kids are all older. They live in Evansville, and I have eight beautiful grandchildren by them. And we talk to the girls some. They all come home for holidays. Uh, one of my granddaughters accepted Christ um, earlier this year at a grandmother-granddaughter comp. Yes, it was Yay. amazing. And so, like, we're restoring all of those relationships. But I talk with my boys a lot more because they lived with us yeah. nonstop yeah. for the from the time that I got clean. Uh, the other kids would come live with us for a little while, but then uh, without being disrespectful, we were a little bit too much Jesus freaks and they would go back to live with their moms. Yeah. I, yeah. It's just truthful. And, you know, looking back, I kind of wish we would have fought harder, mm -hmm. but it, it is what it is. No regrets. Everything's good. All the kids are doing well. Yeah, They're all doing well. I mean, and we get to see them all. And so it's great. But um, anyway, I get to talk with my older kids. And it's funny because I've been listening to um, Dr. Dobson's son's. He, he has a podcast on parenting. And I've been listening to it lately. And he talks about how a lot of times parents will be full of law. Yes. And I was full of law. You would think I would have been full of grace with how much grace God had given me, but I was scared of them doing wrong. Yes. And therefore I was full of law. Yes. And, um, we did not let our kids drive in cars with girls, period. Mm -hmm. All three of my boys left home at 17. Alex graduated high school a year early. Uh -huh. Josh got a really good job and moved out at 17 and Freddie was in the air force at 17. Wow. And so, um, definitely, you know, my oldest son feels as though I, it wasn't the greatest and, and he's able to tell me and that's okay. I, I got big shoulders. I can take it. <laughs> and again, like I tell him, I pray you do 10 times better. You know, I really do. It's hard. Parenting is hard, but, um, even now looking back, there's so much that I've learned since becoming an empty nester in the past four years, which is as I've been working on the book, researching it and learning stuff. And I'm not fearful for my kids raising their children in this generation. I just want, I just want to be as loud and as vocal as I can because Christians have been silent for too long. Amen to that. Well, so take us yeah. back to, that day you were sitting in, in your living room or your kitchen and you're talking With, to your okay. husband and you get in that car yeah. ride to, to listen to him. Where did that change for you come? Where did you, where did Christ basically grab you at? So um, on the car ride. So okay. as we were driving amidst it and as he's taking ownership of everything he did wrong, Somewhere along the car ride, he asked me the sinner's prayer. And I'm not even sure. It was like, have you accepted Christ? And I'm not sure. I'm a little bit foggy. And I'm like, I think I have. And he's like, well, I mean, I don't want an I think I have. Do you, you realize Christ died on the cross for you? And so we walked through that. He led me through the sinner's prayer. And I wanted what he had. Yes, you could and see. so um, we went we went to Kankakee. Um, this was the end of April. My kids were not getting out of school till May. And so I said, okay, as soon as the kids are out of school, we'll relocate, we'll move up here. Okay. And so this is one of the reasons why I love leading Celebrate Recovery. This is what I feel like churches fail at, okay, where we have kind of dropped the ball. 
So I leave Tony's side because in my husband's presence, I'm able to stay clean and be strong, mostly on his faith. Okay. And so as soon as I leave, as I'm driving the four hours back to Evansville, all of a sudden there's free drugs, free parties, exes are calling, everything's available. It's like, there's a big bullseye on my back. And of course there is because Satan doesn't want to let you go. I don't understand spiritual warfare, but let's be real between the altar and the door, something happens. And when a Christian goes down and gets saved, a seasoned Christian should come alongside to disciple. End of story. Absolutely. That should happen. And that's one of the reasons why we love Celebrate Recovery. We are intentional about the 12-step program. You've been leading Celebrate Recovery? We've been running it for over five years. Love that. Over five years. We visited a church years ago that uh, we didn't know that the person speaking was not the senior pastor, but he was basically saying... Uh, just visiting this church, but he was basically saying every single one of you in this church should be a part of Celebrate Recovery. And I remember just yeah. sitting there as a counselor going, oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. What kind of relationships you get from that and accountability and and people that are in your business a little bit, but yeah. in a good way. And it is the church. I think it's the epitome of the church yes. that we're missing. I think yes. you're hitting the nail on the head. With Absolutely. That. I love that you're on the front Absolutely. line. That. That's beautiful. Yes. And we, and the thing is like, so I've spoken at several churches about who have wanted to launch a celebrate recovery, but just weren't sure. And the key is like where you and church talk about discipleship, we talk about um, accountability and a sponsor, you know, where you in church may talk about, um, you know, there's church words and then there's recovery words. You know yeah. what I mean? Yes. But yeah. it's the same thing. It's from the beatitudes of I Jesus Christ. And it's exactly, exactly. And ultimately it's about getting rid of that past to move forward. And when, once you get to a place the recovery program is created to create disciples, mm-hmm. a discipleship program, and then to reproduce, and then to reproduce, yep. and then to reproduce. And a successful one creates new mentors and creates yep. new mentors. Yep. And so now I'm able to watch COVID, COVID jacked us up a little bit, yeah. but I'm able to watch my girls jump in behind other girls and Love pull it. them in. And check. Yes. 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 It's the best. There's nothing like it. And the There's irony is like AA, AA was created to do that. But part of yeah. where it sometimes failed, and a lot of it depends on the group, was that whole once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, the identity piece versus calling that attitudes. out, saying uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Versus that's who I was. And I'm, I'm choosing yeah. to die to that, even though I even might yeah. even have a draw towards it because I'm choosing to be like Christ to move in this direction, but then the mentoring, which they both have, but the staff and my introduction, amazing. My introduction is typically, Hey, my name is Nikki and I am a firm believer in Jesus Christ this week. I have struggled with, and then I'll throw out whatever I've struggled with, but the closer that I get to the cross, the further those things get in my heart. So I notice if I'm not doing my daily inventory or if I'm not doing my quiet time with Jesus, I'm not doing my Bible reading. If, um, because I mean, I'm normal, I'm human. If I start watching a series on Netflix, 
the tendency to want to binge watch it is just as real for me. <laughs> so, I mean, yes. seriously, oh, yeah, like what's going to happen on the next. So, so then instead of getting up and reading my Bible, well, I could hurry up and get an episode in before I go to church. Well, then guess what? I treat people like crap all day long because I haven't put any word in. And yeah. then you wonder why I'm talking like trash. And then all of a sudden my husband's <laughs> like, did you skip your Bible reading this morning? Like what's going on right now? And then it's even worse because the last thing you want is for someone to call you out, but you need that. And that's what you get in recovery. When you have people, like you said, that close to your biz, that close to your biz where they know you. And they can know you well enough in a group like that for you to get up on stage and the people there know you well enough to know you're faking it. If something's off. Yeah. Something's off. I love that. Absolutely. We don't like that. Yes. Yes. It's so good. And that's anti-American in the sense of the individualistic. I'm my own person. I can live in my own almost kingdom, which we've even made worse now with a lot of the current culture of individualistic, my truth, my pronouns, my everything. And it's like, that's, I mean, that's all a direction in the wrong direction uh, away from dying to self. If you even think of what this month is, there's yeah. a certain word that we use in this month, the month of June, that I was telling a, a group yeah, a few days ago, a youth group. I was like, this word, pride, Google it. Talk, look at pride under on the Bible app and see how many scriptures talk about this is our downfall. That yes. It is not meant to be a place of puffing up ourselves. There's yes. two places. I am proud of what God has done for me and I'm proud of what God has done in me and there is nothing else to boast about. And so we've got some serious work to do in the church because even churches are buying into some of the language um, and changing the culture away from a Christ following self-dying story, if you will, or, or even life. Yeah. I love what you're doing. Absolutely. Also, so remember when I met you, um, through our, through this podcast stuff, um, your, your ministry, you you do celebrate recovery, but what's the name of your other ministry? Okay. So my husband and I, so, uh, about six years ago, when we left new Orleans, uh, Mm -hmm. we had gone to new Orleans to plant a church. And so we're in Kentucky about an hour South of Evansville, which is where his adult children live. And we felt like God was calling us to start, start sharing our testimony. Mm -hmm. And so we launched our own 501 C three called prisoner to preacher prisoner to preacher. And so my husband, my husband's an ordained pastor. I love that. And so, um, I love it because like a lot of times when people ask me about the hair, it lets me go into a recovery spill basically Mm -hmm. about one being a pastor's wife and two being free from meth. Like, and then I can normally give them a business card, talk about celebrate recovery. If they're not from around here, I can say, oh, you can get on that app. You can do a recovery locator, find a group. They're really cool. You'll be surprised. It's not like walking into a church. Like it's, it's definitely way more laid back. You'll like it. And, um, so we launched prisoner to preacher. We moved to Kentucky and we were going to travel and share our testimony. Um, funny how we can make plans. <laughs> and so, um, yes, <laughs> which it was great. I'm not saying it was bad. Uh, true story. Uh, the very first family that we worked with, it's in the book was, um, 
friends of the family. We knew them pretty well. And it was a mom who ended up going to jail. Her and her daughter's dad, uh, the little girl had been molested by the dad. And um, this is where my book was birthed from. Okay. Honestly. Uh, and so we're helping this family. The grandfather had got a hold of us. My husband, um, my husband used to be a gang member before I met him. Mm. Um, and then again, like I said, he had been clean for a couple of years before we got married in 98. And so um, this grandfather reaches out and gets a hold of us. And he's like, hey, um, I heard that, you know, you've got a prison ministry. Would you mind reading the discovery? And so here's a warning. And I warn it in my book. Some things you can't unsee. Some things you can't unread. A discovery is one of them. 81 counts of rape, sodomy, and incest. Gosh, I can't imagine. And so, yes. So um, it became apparent that the mom was groomed. She just had no idea. Dad has lots of issues. And dad is in prison for 50 years. Okay. Little girl um, is good. Got adopted by pastors. Actually graduated high school and is thriving. She's doing very well. So good to hear. Um, mom and dad both lost their rights. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, so this has been going on for the past five years. This is our first, and I remember being mad at God, being like, "God, we said prison mis- ministry, like we were talking drugs and alcohol, and no. like sometimes God and I have very real conversations, <laughs> and He's like, mm, "No, you said prison ministry, and this is prison," and um. So we had to go, we, we didn't have to, but we went, my husband and I went in February of 2016 Mm -hmm. to pack up this household belongings. Um, Mom and dad have been in jail since December. It's three months later, a little girl's in foster care and the house is getting ready to get locked up. We got with CPS. They said we could go get the belongings, put them in a storage unit. Grandpa was going to pay for it. And so we get the money from grandpa. We drive down there and it's funny, the difference between men and women, like my husband could compartmentalize, like he's totally cool. I like, am looking in totes, like there's going to be a dead body. Like, I don't know what I'm going to find, but eventually like all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's just a little girl. Like she had a good life. And then I came across a tote of stripper shoes and they were small stripper shoes, oh, not no. mom size stripper shoes. And I got sick and I got mad and I got angry and I went into the bathroom and I'm crying and I'm just mad. You know, why do bad things happen to good people? And I don't say this often because there's only been a few times where I know that I know that I know that I heard God tell me something specifically. This was February of 2016. He asked me where I was in February of 2006. 10 years previously, where were you, Nicole? And 10 years previously, I was strung out on meth, buying into passion parties, going to sell adult dildos at swingers clubs while I bought pills to make meth and traveled across the country thinking I was all that in a bag of potato chips. Wow. Because I was deceived. Yes. And so... I wondered if this man's parents could have seen signs. Mm -hmm. I wondered 
if we as parents yeah. aren't just lazy, but are selfish. Yes. And so that is when we knew that I had to write the book. Yep. So important. And I talk about it. I talk about that in the book. Um, so she's my Jane Doe and yeah. she's doing amazing. So she news. still talks to us. Oh, that's great. And um, yeah. Oh, God's so good. That. But, um, you know, parents got to do better and not just parents, but church members and grant. When I speak to older people, when I speak to grandparents, I say, tell those kids to put the phone down at the table. Mm-hmm. Tell those kids to take the heads. They will respect you. They may not like it at first, exactly, but they will remember the days that they had it. Their grand. We don't let our grandkids have the Wi-Fi password. Good. Our house is Wi-Fi free. Nice. Our yeah. house is Wi-Fi free. I mean, so it's okay we don't to get have much rules. time with them. Interesting. It's Interesting. okay. <laughs> yeah, you're the parents. It's okay. Yes. <laughs> I tell a lot of parents to go outside. Oh, it's no, no. I tell parents they need to go outside to their outside of their house. And there's this little cable that comes into their house. And that if they really want to change their family, they take some snippers and they cut it. Because that's mm-hmm. how bad things are for some families. Yes, other families are 100%. doing great. Others are managing it well. They're having great conversations. That's wonderful. But that's not everybody. Some are in a you're about to lose your child to Satan. Use yes. everything you can to prevent this. And that yes. means changing schools. That means if it means moving, it means quitting your job. If it means some drastic. If it means you don't have Wi-Fi, then you don't have Wi-Fi. Exactly. It's if you okay. want to save your children, that's how big of a deal yeah. this is. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, I know, I remember driving, I was in Costa Rica years ago and driving past all these houses and they're all open doors, just all the doors wide open because of the temperature and the, the climate. Yeah. And, but thinking every one of those houses, you know, little kids running around the neighborhood, but every house has a story. And so it led to even my own neighborhood. Every house has a story and how horrifying some of those stories are. But we look drive by and see the pretty flowers and we see the, the cut lawn and we see the car that we wish we had, or we, we see things we don't see yeah. that behind those closed doors is sometimes a horrifying story. Five doors down from you. The yeah. church needs to be a place that actually opens its arms and doors to people that are suf- suffering, people that are struggling. One of the statements I say, yeah. it's almost like the church has office hours. You can only have trouble between eight to five on you know Monday through Thursday. And it's like, yeah. no, it, problems and crises don't have office hours. How are you going to create a, a culture? And it doesn't start with the church in terms of the big church. It starts with us. It starts with yeah. what you're doing because you and your husband are on the front lines of giving your life to something bigger than yourself versus having a more cushy life and doing kind of things as you would choose some days. This is so yeah. much more redemptive and beautiful. And so I'm so I'm honored to meet you and honored to hear more of your story and, and just see all that God's going to continue to do with you. Um, your book, this such an interesting, um, the, the title actually just grabs me too, but this is 
this is what we need. You know what the play is on, right? <laughs> yes, very much. <laughs> oh, we need people that are going to be vocal like you. They're going to be honest, but it's not just a story. It's your story. It's God's yeah. story of his work in your life of redemption of his yes. work. Not I did this. I did that. I accomplished 100%. That. And honestly, I didn't even, it's been funny when people have written me about the book, there are things that's Holy spirit inspired. There's a lot in there that, I mean, it's, it's awesome the way he orchestrated it. Love that. Uh, I, I am not, I do not have a college degree. I went for some marketing and some management. Um, I, much like Joyce Myers, I like to talk. And, I, you know, <laughs> that's what I got. I do Love like it. to talk. Love and it. so I can tell stories. Love but um, there's no degrees behind my name. But um, I know what he did for me. He wants to do for everyone else. No. And I just think so much of the time, shame makes them feel like it's not even possible. Yeah. And the website, your website is 50 shades of truth.com 50 shades of truth. That's correct. The word number 50. Absolutely. And numbers. So simple. 50 Just shades like the book.com. And, and you, you can order the book. I got it. Mm -hmm. I got it here too. You can order the book on the website or at Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you also also have access or more stories, more testimonies. Um, yeah. Yeah. So much there. I, and to book you, to have you come speak. Yeah. That's another Absolutely. big thing. We want you to have as big of a platform as we can get you, and that God yeah. allows. It so to we it. have, we've been to Kansas, Minnesota, Iowa, Yay. New Orleans, Mississippi. I mean, we we have been so blessed to travel. We've been to Virginia twice, and we're headed out to Virginia again. Nice. And so God has been really good. We love it. We do love yeah. it. Love it. Love um, it's our favorite. One of our favorite things to do is to share the gospel, to spread hope. Love it. But you're also doing that every week where you're at it through. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, a, that's, a, you know, people coming into that constantly, which is, yes. and I love what you said. You get to see some of your girls that came through that then become disciplers, become. Uh, it's the leader. ripple effect. I love it. <laughs> and that's what we should all be doing because yes. it's not just the pastor's job. It is not just showing up at church and sitting in the pew and sitting in the chair. That's not the church. The church's hands exactly. and feet, action, heart. Yes. Every one of us has a story and a gifting and a talent that many of us are not using. That's what breaks my heart. How Absolutely. many are not using what God gave them? Um, for his glory, they're using it to just make money or just survive. So thank you so much. One for of my, I just love that. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. What do you want to say? Go ahead. Oh, one of my spiritual mothers. Um, mm -hmm. So she recently had a knee replacement. And mm -hmm. so there's not a lot that she can do right now. She volunteers in my food bank. And so I asked her, she has the most beautiful I don't have one in here. Otherwise I would show you. She's the most beautiful handwriting ever. And so uh, currently for every book I sell from my website, I donate one to a jail or a rehab because my husband got saved in jail. Mm -hmm. And so just today I was able to mail um, 40 books to Kentucky and Indiana jail and rehabs for women. Love and it. so she hand wrote and she prays over them. She hand writes the addresses out for me. And so she wrote me, well, actually, um, 
it was, it was so funny that she said this and, and here's the thing. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has something that they can offer, but she said, um, I'm so thankful that I can do a small part. I love my Jesus and I love serving him. Although my part is minor compared to yours and others, it is humbling that I'm able to do that. My surgery went well, blah, blah, blah. And she said several things about that. Um, but she just thanked me for asking her to be a part of it. But I was so great. And she just does such an excellent job. And then she, she included a check to help with some of the postage. And she put that in, (laughs) she sent it with her husband and put it in my mailbox. Um, And we found it last night when we got home from Celebrate Recovery last night. And um, completely unexpected. I was just excited that she was going to write the labels and pray over them. Mm -hmm. And um, she thinks it's a small part, but in God's eyes, it's a huge part. Like do what you can and God... God will take the little boy's lunch and he will multiply it. You just exactly. have to be willing to do it. Exactly. And so I remember yeah. when I was in school, like my, the thing I did, cause it was small was hand out the bulletins and hold the door open at church. It's not about the big things, the handwriting, the labels. I remember, I think I saw it on your yes. Facebook. It was the, you, you have a, the pink package right? The pink wrapper thing. Yep. I love that. Yes. Um, getting able to send those two jails, two people to then change their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you so much. Yes. And again, yes. Thank you for yes, what you absolutely. do. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. And I look forward to seeing how, um, how we can continue this conversation even in the future. So honored. Absolutely. Honored. absolutely. And go thank to- you so much. Listeners and, and viewers, go to Fifty Shades of Truth. This is her um, her book, Nicole's book, Fifty Shades of Truth. Um, Nicole Thompson, and I look yeah. forward to thank you hearing. so much. Yes, bless you and bless your ministry. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It has been an honor to serve. Find out more about Dr. Gilbert and his resources for you and your family's growth and success at HealingLives.com. And if you think you could use some support along the way, be sure to book that call at bookdrg.com. And one more thing, if you found this helpful, please share this podcast with others so that we can change the world together.